Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. It is my great pleasure today to announce to you a new and additional sponsor for our program. Tyler Kane is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he is a senior loan officer for Fairway Independent Mortgage. Tyler and his team have extensive knowledge of the mortgage industry, and their dedication has made them a trusted partner for many wonderful families. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to refinance or talk about future home ownership goals, Tyler and his team are here to guide you every step of the way. We've included a link to their website in the show notes, or you can reach Tyler directly at 813-380-8487. Thank you so much for listening today. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for listening in today. So we're going to continue a series that started late last year based on the book House Rules by Jacob Hudgens. I had the opportunity to teach that material at the Lindell Church for the last three months of 2023. I think we all really enjoyed it and learned a lot. And the nature of these rules fit right in line with ESM and the things that you and I are trying to build upon pretty much every week. We are on the back half of that material, so I'll be talking about rules six and seven for today. But since it's been a few weeks, let me very briefly walk you through the rules we've covered so far. And keep in mind as you hear these, the focus of the book is about applying these principles at home, but at its core, it's really just about the kind of person that you choose to be. If these 10 rules dominated your personality and the way that you interacted with the world around you, every single environment you were in would be a better and more holy place. So regardless of your family situation or whether you live at home or you're at school or wherever you are, these 10 rules are for you. Number one, home is a safe place. The idea here is whatever environment you are in or whomever you are with, it is a safe place to ask questions, to learn, and to make mistakes. It is a healthy place for growing. Rule number two, all people deserve respect. Every single person you've ever met or will meet was made in the image of God. Christ gave his life for the hope of their soul And that ought to require of us a baseline love and consideration for every person that God puts before us. Rule number three, we tell the truth. I heavily emphasized in that episode that I think lying is maybe the worst thing that a Christian can do because it covers for all of the other things and prevents compassion and mercy and growth and all of those things. God's people are honest. We own, as we will talk about today, the responsibility of integrity and honesty. We always try to be kind and careful when we express what is right, but telling what is true is always the right decision. Rule number four, we speak with love. Now, those two go together pretty well, don't they? Some contend that you can lie and deceive out of consideration for the other person. Others contend you can say the most harmful and hurtful things that are quite unloving as long as it is the truth. But the rule for all communication in life, and certainly the home, is that we always consider both. We leaned pretty heavily on Ephesians 4.29, a fantastic verse. Whatever you choose to say to someone needs to be good for edification according to the need of that moment, bringing grace to all who hear. Now, this doesn't mean that because I love someone, I will not tell them the truth. It means I will tell them the truth in a way that connotes how much I love them. And then rule number five that wraps up how far we've come so far, no gossip allowed. 
And really, this rule is, I don't want to be the kind of person who tears others down for my own gain. I don't want to do that with them right in front of me, and I certainly don't want to fall into the temptation of doing that when they're not here. Gossip is often motivated by pride and envy and all kinds of bad things, and whether it be at home, teaching my children, or in any environment, we just cannot fall into this worldly and selfish trap of making people think less of other people for reasons that do not in any way carry out the goodwill of a loving God. All right, so that brings us up to speed. I hope that didn't take too long. If you're interested in learning more about any of those, I will put in the show notes links to all three of those episodes. All right, so that brings us up to today's content. These are rules. They are life rules, personal rules, relationship rules that certainly will be in your home, numbers six and seven. We take responsibility, and we deal with our problems. To me, those two go together very well, and so I'll be kind of mixing and matching them as we go along. But first, I want to talk to you about this idea of taking responsibility. We sometimes use terms like, you need to take responsibility for your life, for your actions, or your work. And I certainly don't have a problem with those statements, and generally we understand what is meant. But today, when I talk to you about taking responsibility, I want to focus less on the objective task that might be in view and more on who you are on the inside as a person and how you relate to other people. My argument today is that 99% of all of the responsibilities in your life are internal and relational. When we focus too much on the task itself, as in, that's the way I prove responsibility by doing this thing, instead of understanding that this is really about the kind of person you've chosen to be, number one, and the way that carrying out the task relates to other people, number two, then we're just missing the bigger and more important picture, and you'll find yourself being very inconsistent with achieving those tasks. Let me see if I can give you an example. Let's say there's a 10-year-old who is tasked with the responsibility to make his bed every morning. Chances are he will look at that responsibility in a very one-dimensional way. There's a bed that I don't really care about, and I'm being asked or told to do something to it that doesn't mean anything to me, so I will do it so I don't get in trouble, but honestly, I don't understand why it's so important. But that's the thing. The bed in and of itself isn't the most important thing. Here are two things much more crucial. Number one, it is valuable for this young man to have things that need to be taken care of and giving those things the attention that is necessary. It is important that he becomes the kind of person who can accept some responsibility so that someone else won't have to do it. And whether he likes it or not, he is dependable. He can think about needs outside of himself. And in that growth, he becomes a more reliable person that God and others can use. So it's not about the bed, it's about the person. Which brings us to the second, and I think even more important thing, it's not even just about the person, it's about the relationship that that person maintains with others. If you ask the boy's parents, why would it mean a lot to you for your son to get up and make the bed, they would likely say that it demonstrates that he loves and respects us. And that is something that 10-year-old likely does not understand. I don't remember being 10 too much, but I do remember being a teenager where my parents gave me responsibilities and I didn't understand why I needed them. I didn't understand why I needed them for my own discipline and development, which is the initial point that we're trying to make. 
and I certainly didn't understand that this was really about my relationship with them or with the Lord or with other members of my family. I don't want to say this is 100% the case because there are maybe a few things you could come up with that fit outside of it, but in nearly every case, every responsibility in your life is based on a role that you maintain that is interactive with someone else. Let's make a list. You are a child of God. Therefore, you are responsible to make moral decisions that reflect the love and care of your father. You are a created vessel of God to carry out his good work. So the responsibility to care for your body or do the things that are right with that body, they're not even self-contained. They are your opportunity to demonstrate to God that you take seriously his gifts. This thinking moves all the way down the line. I am a husband and a father. I have responsibilities, but I try not to isolate them and look at them separately and wrestle with whether or not I want to do them. I try to think about them in two distinct contexts. Number one, as I said, I need this. This is about developing the kind of person I am. But even more so, I think about it in terms of something like this. I am a husband. And the responsibilities associated with marriage and the home are really about my love for my wife and the way that I demonstrate it. Last night, Nick and I got home and there was a package on our porch. It was a garbage disposal. Ours had busted some seals and was leaking everywhere. And so it came in the mail. I did not want to install that. I've never installed anything like that before. And I wasn't particularly interested, but I had said that I would do it. And though there was a dozen things I wanted to do more, I pictured my wife Summer coming home in about an hour, watching me sit there, read a book, or play an Oculus game with Nick. And instead of her going, man, I bet he jumped right on that when he got here, and that garbage disposal is sitting on the porch, I would be able to say, hey babe, real quick, I just started this. The garbage disposal is installed and ready to rock. That is, by the way, exactly how the evening played out, and it was pretty cool. I don't think there's really an end to this line of thinking. You might be like, well, I have this job, and I have a lot of responsibilities, and it's hard to think like you're saying, but I would say you have an employer, and you're in a relationship with that employer, and carrying out your responsibilities is the way you honor that relationship, and of course, you enjoy the rewards that you derive from it on the 1st and the 15th. Even if, on the other side of it, you own a company, you go, oh, I have all these responsibilities for this company, but really you have employees, and you have customers, and you have a family that benefits from your work, and your responsibilities are truly relational, as they honor some nature of connectivity and love and support and help for the people around you. So I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down here, because I'm ultimately trying to approach objective responsibilities with a better attitude. And attitude when it comes to doing hard things is enormous. There was a line from Jacob Hudgens' book where it said, all responsibilities are assigned by agreement. And I've just really been thinking about that. I cannot assign a responsibility to my 12-year-old son that he refuses to take. He may not like it. It may take discipline to get him rooted in it, but he at least has to say, I accept this. And he might not understand all of the multifaceted implications of such a thing, and I'll try to do better in the future explaining it to him, but there's just no way to carry out any kind of a job or duty if you just refuse to accept it. Acceptance and acknowledgement, understanding why and what for, is crucial to carrying out difficult tasks. 
If you heard last week's episode, we talked about how we're going to have to do hard things. We do things we don't want to do to develop the part of our brain that can do harder things still. But if you think that means just objectively and unemotionally drudging along, carrying out a task, something that has no value to you and no value to others, then I can see why that is depressing and simply unsustainable. I'm asking you to infuse purpose into your responsibilities and also people. Speaking of people, let's get to rule number seven. We deal with our problems. Now, in the House Rules book, Jacob particularly focused in on the problems that you have with other people, and I really do appreciate that. It really feeds back into what I've been saying so far today, that problems and struggles and responsibilities, they're not the object in front of us. They are personal, internal, and then secondly, relational. It always has to do with God or yourself or others. And often, and I mean very often, the key to carrying out some responsibility or getting past a problem, whatever it is, is the result of improving the relationship that is attached to it. Let me articulate it this way by way of example. I think Summer and I get along most of the time. We occasionally have a few problems. Whether we're getting along or not, I have a certain level of responsibilities in that marriage. And I can tell you that no matter what that task or responsibility is, the nature of our relationship feeds into how willing I am to do that task and my attitude while carrying it out. As I record that for you, I hope you're saying, duh, that's like super obvious. Because it's not just obvious, it kind of permeates every part of your life. If I can attach practically every responsibility in your life to some relationship, then I probably can do that with every problem that you're facing. That problem can be connected with maybe your relationship with God and how willing you are to honor Him or your relationship with your family and how central they are to the way that you're thinking. So if you improve the relationship associated with the thing, you change the game on the thing itself. So with all of that being said, when you hear Rule 7, we deal with our problems, the way I want you to interpret that is the following. I address and deal with issues that I am having with other people. And by way of my example, my attitude, and my speech, I am teaching my children and the people around me that the avenue to a better life is more peace in your relationships. And if you think you can keep grudges or turmoil or anger or even hatred in your heart and still just kind of carry out whatever pleasantry and role is required of you, then you're probably fooling yourself. You won't be able to maintain it for long. And even if you do, it won't be credited as righteousness to a very relationship-oriented God of love. So what does that mean practically for you this week? I want you to evaluate relationships in your life that are not, at this present time, healthy. I want you to assess your part in all of that, your accountability in that, your responsibility from God on that, and make some effort to make that better. But more than just doing what needs to be done to make it better, writing a letter, making a phone call, saying something kind, giving a gift, whatever it might be, I'm asking you to embrace how important it is for you to do your part to reconstruct love in that relationship. Like in our opening, carrying out these tasks are about developing the kind of person you are. They're not about this circumstance. They're about who you are in every circumstance And, as we said, increased care and love between you and this person will make every responsibility you share within that sphere much, much easier to do. 
If you want to know how to do that, there are lots of great pieces of advice in Scripture. Our chapter a day reading was in Genesis this month, and we read about Jacob returning to Esau, and he was very prayerful, and he called on the help of the Lord, and he sent him a bunch of gifts and had messengers kind of go in and soften the blow of his coming, and he was super humble when he approached Esau. He had a little bit of fear within him. In other words, this mattered to him, and Esau responded beautifully. I pray that for you, and I know it depends a lot on the other person. Sometimes you have a problem with another person, and they are the problem. I hope you're willing to admit that's not always the case, and very rarely completely the case, but sometimes that's the way it is. In cases like that, I don't let myself off the hook. Well, I don't guess I need to deal with that problem. They're the ones that need to deal with that problem. Instead, I just think about Jesus and me. I have given him so many reasons to walk away. I have been the problem in him receiving the glory he deserves more times than I can count. He has and continues to carry out some beautiful roles and responsibilities for me that he probably should have stopped doing a long time ago. But for him, it is very personal and relational. It comes out of his nature and also his love for me. And even though I am always the problem, he is continually offering himself as the solution. Maybe it's not this way in your life, but as someone who's 45 years old and has family and friends and acquaintances and probably adversaries, and someone who's done a lot of counseling and discussion with other people, I believe that interpersonal breakdown with others is a terrible cancer that damages the two people involved or four people or 10 people and pretty much everything that's connected to them. If you're looking for some help to deal with problems that you have with other people in a better way, I'd like to finish with two thoughts that I think can help. Firstly, take a look at these 10 rules. They tend to build on one another to get you in a position for doing a really hard thing, like mending a broken relationship. If you're committed to a safe place where it's okay to make mistakes and to learn, and you, rule two, respect all people, and you're willing to tell the truth, and tell the truth with love, and you're not going to gossip and make things worse, and you're taking responsibility for your part in this, then I think you're perfectly equipped to go out and deal with issues that you have with others. But on the flip side, if any of those things are missing or off, it's really gonna sabotage what you're trying to do. So I will list all 10 of them in the show notes, and if you can get me your email, I will email you a PDF of all 10 house rules in a way that maybe you could, I don't know, print it off and put it on your fridge or something. And then lastly, I just wanna read the best passage in the history of the universe on conflict resolution and relationship rebuilding. I've probably talked about it in 10 episodes over the years. 1 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life... To love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Remember, this is about the kind of person you are becoming and the priority of healthy relationships and how they help you with all kinds of other things. So if you're trying to work through problems with others, find some common ground, harmonious. See things from their point of view, sympathetic. See them as a beloved brother or sister in Christ. Be kind to them as a first and enduring quality. 
Maintain humility. This is about more than just you or winning. And when they make mistakes, like do something evil or cast an insult, don't retort with the same. That only makes things worse. But give a blessing instead. Why would you do that? Because you're putting into it what you hope to draw out of it, which is a blessing for your life. I think that's what we're all looking for, a blessed life to love and see good days. And that's not about checking boxes or doing things. That's about God. It's about you and it's about others. Focus on growth and interaction related to all of those, and you will begin to feel things changing and burdens lifting when it comes to responsibility and problems. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over the years is the best way for the program to grow is for friends to tell people how valuable it's been for them. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 205-326-7364. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.